Welcome back to the DJ Sessions, where we feature the best producers, DJs, and now expanding to business industry professionals from around the world. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, coming in halfway around the world from the UK in the heart of London. We have Tony. I'm going to try to get this rock up by rock. How do you pronounce it? Uh, rock a pie rock a pie i i got it cool. tony <laughs> thanks for coming on the show today you're Hello. with a company called label works and and tell our dj sessions fans a little bit about label works and, and what you do there so label works where we're a distribution platform um predominantly we work with electronic music um i'm very new to label works i'm an ea so i'm an executive assistant um i'm pretty much an extension to both our vp uh, and also our ceo of our company as well Nice. I was going to say, this company isn't just, didn't just get started. It's been around for a little while. And I, you're, from what I understand, you're going on your 15 year anniversary of the company. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, it's really exciting. So we started really back in 2007, both our CEOs, one who they actually met in the rave scene here in the UK. They were just really good friends. One is just a giant nerd, loves tech, loves all the kind of programming, all that kind of techy stuff. Where one, the other is very business driven, very statistics, uh, stats. Then they pretty much came together because they were trying to find the right distributor to pretty much create the right platform, but they took it upon themselves. And successfully, 15 years later, over 15,000 labels to date. Um, and here we are with Label Words. And this it isn't just focused on the big names. You're, you're looking to work with anyone in the industry or is there a requirement or something that you look for in talent when they approach label works? A bit of both. Um, we're very independent. So we look for a lot of talent. It's very underground music where I guess a lot of underground labels don't have the recognition, but a lot of old school kind of house, deep house, tech house and trance is very underground. So you needed a specific kind of distributor to do that. And that's exactly where we came in. We, I think without trying to come across saying we are very boutique, but it's also making sure that we understand the story and what a either an artist or a label wants to deliver as an ethos, as an impression in the industry. We want to see that. So tell us who you are. What is your story? Where do you want to go? If we have a full understanding of that, allow us as a distributor to be a part of that story where some people are just like, Oh, you know, I want to do a B and C. And it's like, but why? And it's like, Oh, just because I was like, okay, let's dive deeper into that. And I think that's where we become so personable with our clients is by understanding who they are and their story. And you, we were talking a little bit before the interview, you are kind of a um, networker. You like to go out to a lot of these events, these festivals, these things. What is, I don't know if you're going to be in Detroit for movement. I saw on the socials that was coming up. Are you going to be out there for, for movement? I'm not myself. Uh, both, both my CEO and VP will both be in movement. Um, I'm actually in Brighton, so the south of the UK for BMC, which is Brighton Music Conference. Um, someone had to take a further step. So I stayed in the UK, then yeah, everyone else is going to be over there. But, and yeah. what, is, what has it been like out there? Um, you know, are things kind of going back to normal or are things still moving slowly out there? What kind of discussions are happening now? Does it feel things are back? Um, I think from the start of this year, uh, we did South by Southwest in Austin. Um, for us, it was very slow. Apparently there was only half the capacity to what they expected. 
Um, straight after South by Southwest, we're in Miami for Miami Music Week. That felt like it was back, like full throttle. It was thriving. Every single club, venue, day party was sold out. So being backstage, which we took over uh, in Miami, we hosted our own event. Um, and seeing everyone backstage, it was sold out. We had, there was technically, there was meant to be 40 to 50 people backstage. There was maybe 150 people backstage. And it was just all industry executives, like heads of Spotify, Apple, YouTube. And it was just, everyone was back thriving, talking about business, getting stuff done. But some places are still umming and ahhing, seeing how it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how the UK is going to be this week for BMC. But we've heard, and I think everyone's excited to see what movement's going to be like. But year after year, it's just one of those, you know, the best events and conferences to be at. So I think it's, it's getting there. Slowly. Did, did you get a chance to get, a, get to IMS this year? I did, yes. Um, we were actually official partners uh, with IMS this year. Um, it was really exciting. We hosted uh, one of our own panels as well. So we did uh, 10 years with our solid groups, uh, which is an absolute phenomenal label. It was just for us to show them, show our audience exactly how a label can grow. Um, things they would come up with, like issues, how they could become more creative, the experience and kind of like learning as the label grows ahead. Um, but yeah, IMS was interesting this year. Um, it was in a new uh, venue. It was usually at the Hard Rock Cafe in Playa Bossa, but this year was at Destino. Um, very fancy, like very fancy, but it was just like, oh. But, you know, it's, it's just, it is what it is. And I think usually for IMS, people can just hang around, say the hotel and just check in. But this year at Destino, it was very private. So every single person at the hotel was staying there. Or if you needed a ticket, you had to get in. Like no one could really hang around. So every single person who was there was there for IMS, which was the best part of this year. And were you into electronic music before you got into this side of business? Were you an avid electronic music listener? Or is this something you kind of gravitated toward and towards and said, oh, I love this? I know. I think more so definitely electronic music, but a different kind of electronic music. Like the thing was more so like donk i'm from australia originally so we would have like donk music then yeah then i think back in 2002 2003 it went harder so then i went to hard dance then to hard style um and now it's literally everything so like whatever the day throws at me like i'm ready for it awesome what was the first rave you ever attended oh wow godspeed 2006 I was underage, but, you know, it's what you do back in Australia. It was, it was so much fun. Yeah, it was about 150 BPM. Like, it was a, a classic rave back in the day. started, you know, 9 p.m., finished at 10 a.m. the next day. Mm -hmm. <sighs> the nostalgia to that day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Is that when you say, were you hooked before then, or is that something that just said, I love this culture, I want to be a part of this culture, I want to work in the industry, or were you just still partying at that point yeah i've actually never thought about that that probably was the peak where it's just like this is what i want to do this is where i want to pursue as a career mm -hmm. it did i did go through you know a few hurdles to get there um but you know with time due diligence and effort like you can get anything mm -hmm. yeah. and what nowadays i mean now that electronic music has gotten so commercialized it's, it's everywhere ingrained in everything what's the one type of sound that you are really excited about with electronic music today? Hmm. That's a really good question. 
I don't know. I think, oh, there's, I, I don't know. For me, it, it could be so vague, especially with electronic music. There's just so many genres under that. But I think something I'm very personally excited to see is trance because it can be looked at a different way. It's such an old genre and it, the, the crowd at festivals and events are an older generation, but there are up and coming trance DJs who are bringing a newer generation into the scene. And I have friends who are those kind of DJs and I'm watching them grow who are now doing international tours for them. I think the trance scene and anything with techno, techno is just to me, it's not a genre I particularly listen to, but watching the atmosphere, the crowd, the production is just insane how such a following just follows it internationally. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, and one of the genres, I was reading a report recently, I think it was from uh, 1001 Tracklist, that, that Tech House is kind of one of that bigger genres yeah. that's kind of coming out. And then it's house and, and trance yeah. was slowly moving. And, and when I was talking to them, it's like, do you see the industry shifting in, in five-year, 10-year patterns? Where are we at right now with you know Tech House and trance? And, and is that a lot what's coming out from your label? Or again, you're more focused on the underground Stuff, yeah, but- that's definitely up there. I agree. Like, it's definitely top two. Um, but for me, it's also phases and how quickly a, a track, a genre can blow up. For me, it's TikTok. I think a track can go so quickly. It's like people who generally don't know what Tech House is, what Trance is, what Hardstyle is, and all of a sudden, you know, a track that had 50,000 streams on Spotify, the next day it's about 100 million streams. It's just like, What? How did this even happen within a couple of days? And it's just people dancing on TikTok, listening to tracks like, oh, this is really catchy. I've never heard music like this. And it's also territory based where, let's say, drum and bass scene here in the UK is very different to the US. Mm-hmm. Where you, raw bass scene, let's say like Skrillex is very different, kind of like old school to the UK where it doesn't really cross over, but you dominate the US and we dominate here in the UK. And it's just waiting for that kind of crossover, then it's like, that's exactly what people have been waiting to do, especially breakthrough either the US market, the UK or European market. As soon as that happens, festivals, follower, merchandise follows it. It's just, there's so much money for artists and labels, but then having a strong team behind them, pretty much following all of yeah. And do you expect Beatport to have another serious competitor in the next few years, or do you feel they can still kind of maintain a monopoly on the game? I don't think anyone can come in, especially Beatport. They just have that, not a cult, but it's just they have that following where they prove, they, they deliver everything with statistics, with numbers, with reports. And I think for me, the biggest thing is transparency. If you can see exactly, you know, your sales, what's been streaming, it's like, okay, statistics are statistics at the end of the day for me. So, yeah. Awesome. And if someone does, that's going to be very, there's going to be a huge eye opener. But at the end of the day, especially with tech these days, you just never know what someone's creating in the back end and how quickly they can deliver it. And let's be honest, people aren't afraid of new things. If they can deliver something more exciting, kudos to them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what's the most important thing that record labels should do for their artists? And are they doing a good job with that out there? Um, a really important thing is accounting. That's, that's always an important thing. Um, reports, again, some people, I, it all depends on this. I think it depends on the label size. You know, if they're a one, two-man band, it's very hard for them to account monthly. 
but then find, you know, someone who can do that, like Labelworks, we can do your accounting for you. Let's just include it into the deal. Then your artists have a breakdown of what they're entitled to and they can see that. Where some labels pay out once a year, fine, depending on the numbers. Like if they're distributing, you know, hundreds a year, fine, I get it. It's probably peanuts to these labels. But if we're talking thousands, tens of thousands for these artists, it's like, okay, find a structure to not better yourself. It gives yourself a better image. Then it helps your artists and labels at the same time. But if you're doing that, be diligent and be transparent to them. Because if you're not, being very blunt, it can be very shady to people. And it's just like, okay, that track has, you know, 50 million streams. Why did I get paid, you know, 10 euros? And I was like, mm, can I see the reports behind that? It's like, no. It's like, okay, there's no trust there. If you be fully transparent with your artists and labels, it builds such a healthy relationship. And like, you can't really question statistics in my eyes. You can, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And how would you define success for a DJ producer? Is it a Beatport top 10 hit, uh, sold out tour? Or, or what are your thoughts on this? Me personally, it's their story. Like I'm a big story person. It's just, you know, someone has created a, it could be a specific track. And this track was built for, let's say, a friend, for their family. And it was just people giving back and not expecting anything in return, but they're becoming so successful is because of who they are as a story. Also, teamwork. I think if someone has a really good team behind them, that's how I look at their success. I think every artist, label, big producer has a great team behind them, whether it's PR, whether it's their own managers, whether it's friends. Every single person in the industry has someone they go to for advice. And I think that that person getting that recognition, they don't need to be paid for it, but it's just like, you know, I want to thank, you know, my friend A, my friend B due to, you know, giving me this opportunity. And I think people having the gratitude and being thankful is such an eye opener to like, okay, that's what I'm thankful for. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the the strengths that that keeps me going is my team here of, of DJs, producers, and then, you know, obviously working with Luke, who's a friend of ours. And and then I have a, a, a guy that works with me out of New York. I have a guy that works with me out of Thailand. And a guy that works, I mean, it wasn't until I started bringing on more teams. It was so hard because this was my baby. And now I'm putting my baby in somebody else's hands. And I'm like, ah, you know, sometimes that <laughs> one email goes out and you're like, why did you phrase it like that? No, but how did you, know, you do that? Then? So how did you figure out how did you figure out the right people to hire? Because obviously it's your company, it's like say it's your baby, and you're just saying, like, how do I trust these people to come on board? Mm-hmm. I, I slowly well it started with a started with a VA virtual assistant out of New York, and he had reached out to me because of I do podcast series. He helps promote and books guests for podcasts. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for somebody to come do that for me. Basically, a little bit of PR work. And then I flipped him into doing our artist outreach. And contacting oh, yeah. the, the, the bigger name DJs as well, and just kind of slowly worked them up, and just over time built trust, communicating, staying in contact once a week, doing a Zoom meeting, whatever. But now he's just all self sufficient, and that also led me to when we reached out to the futuristic polar bears and interviewed, um, oh god, Fran, oh, yeah. on the show and did a set, and then we started talking about the getting to a label, and just over time, you know, Luke and that team they've been really patient with me, and knowing that while we've been around for 12, 13 years doing our show and got all these people on, we want to take it to the next level. So we know we're walking through baby steps and there's a goal. Uh, like I was telling you pre-show, we're leading up to our big bang to ADE this year, which we're super excited to lots of stuff in the background. We were talking about beforehand, kind of cooking in the back that we're just really looking to take the brand internationally, but you're right. 
finding people you can trust that are going to do the work, you know, and, and try not to micromanage them is I yeah, think one, of the, one of the hardest things to letting somebody have the reins and then let them feel they have control and let them know they're doing a good job. I think that, that that's what sure. kind of builds the team. Oh, I always got somebody over in Germany. She's developing our VR nightclubs too. So I yeah, got like a team all over. Yeah, we got two VR nightclubs. We just launched in uh, Altspace. Sure. So we're super excited about I that. Think, a big thing for us as well, if uh, whenever we're looking to hire someone, it's all about the passion behind someone. Mm-hmm. Like if you want people who are so hungry to like, I work in the industry. This is what we do. This is what we deliver. If you don't have that excitement, like it's, I don't know, for me, it's just not there. And I was just like, let's, you're going to be working with very high energy people. You don't have to have the same energy as everyone knows. You could be so unique, but have your own kind of personal excitement to be in the industry. Like if you wanted, you know, to be an accountant, I get that it's very different working in finance and music accounting. Like it's different, but it's your own choice. So. Yeah. Um, speaking of teams, uh, is solid PR an important asset for a DJ producer to have? I don't think so. No, hmm. it depends. Um, openly, you know, if you can do it yourself, you have your own social content these days, your own social media. Um, it's just making sure you stay on top of your social media where, you know, if you have Instagram, don't post once a year. People are just like, okay, are you still live? Are you still DJing? Are you still mixing? Like, but don't bombard people with like every single release. Like obviously shout about it, talk about it. You have Twitter, you have Instagram, like get on there. Instead. Facebook, even though Facebook in my eyes is, isn't really going anywhere these days. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Like, I was but, talking with an influencer company the other day and they don't even list the book in their Yeah, it's, well, it's Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Yeah, I personally don't even have Facebook anymore. Like it's just, Facebook is like my space. It just, it just, it passed along. Plus, yeah. Um, yeah. Can't, can't slam the book. Yeah. <laughs> but, I get it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. no, I mean, TikTok is like, I found that to be a very interesting platform. I still am wrapping my head around it, um, getting in there. But one night I was laying in bed and I said, oh, TikTok's up and I'm 1130 at night. Next thing I know it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm still yeah. through TikToks and I do funny cooking videos and stuff like I don't, I don't I mean it's supposed to be for our brand the DJ sessions but I'm also a big foodie too oh, so no. I like making the videos like you're prepping all the food and then it puts the song to it <laughs> like oh cool, look what I made but those videos take a long time to make I mean it's yeah. not yeah it's like you see some people get up there and they're doing the one shot okay that's cool but um I don't know how people do it and then I was talking with these guys uh you might know them out of LA party shirt Oh and, yeah, uh, huge take like viral TikTok. I mean, we're talking in the six six digit friggin. They put a video up six digits. You know, they did one with Dylan Francis. I think it got nine million views or something like that. And I'm like, oh, totally cool guys. Love to go see him. Yeah. I'm so good. Had, um, I actually used to work with a guy who, funny enough, blew up on TikTok. Um, I mean, like how quickly he blew up on Spotify. He had roughly. I say 110,000 followers. Um, his track had about 80,000 streams. Um, and about six months later, he's now, oh, about a year later, a year, year and a half, um, he's now at 12 million followers on Spotify. Uh, and his track almost has a billion streams already due to TikTok blowing him up. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm wondering what their mechanism is. Like, I remember back in the day, they had the content curators and there was kind of a little bit of a controversy with the people that are kind of curating that content for TikTok and how they can get burnt out and this, uh, what's the word? Um, 
not disassociated, not disenfranchised. It, they literally they're watching these videos all the time, and some of the stuff they got to watch can be very traumatic to them. Oh, true. And, yeah, yeah. It's all people just submitting, submitting. They, it's, it reminds me back in the day of E Bombs World. I don't remember if you remember that website where they used to post all the funny, crazy videos and like it was it was it was kind of pre-youtube youtube-ish at the time but it's like, kind of like like i feel like it's just kind of like jackass videos <laughs> kind of yes kind of yeah. like that a little bit but but you, you know you had the content curator for e-bombs world and youtube would do this too they'd see videos and go okay we're gonna push this one to the top and then the oh, video wow. goes viral like people don't people think a video goes online and just goes viral by itself I mean, there's there's strings that are pulled and things that are made and decisions that are done to say oh we're gonna make this one funny you know um, that a lot of people don't know about, but yeah, it's I mean, like it's, Vine days as well. How Vine used to do that as well. Yeah, yeah, Vine. Gosh, Vine. I forgot about Vine. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun time. Um, I'm showing our age right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I turned 48 this year, so oh, wow. Yeah, great. <laughs> Filters, green screen, makeup. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I don't do any it's of that. I, I shaved. Thing. I did a photo shoot the other day, so I'm on the yeah. proper. <laughs> So, um, but if there's one thing you could change in the electronic music scene that bothers you, how would, what would that be? And how would you go about changing that? Something that bothers me. Um, Not a lot of things bother me, um, openly, (laughs) but I I think like, I get the gist of what you're trying to get. Um, Maybe something on the lines of like demos on how demos are being listened to. I know that a lot of people, it works 50-50. It's the label. It's the a management team. It's also how you submit your demo. People who have never signed to a label, you don't know how to run a label. You can't just submit your demo to a label without figuring out the best part to send to them. You only have a couple of seconds to grab their attention. If you send them, you know, extended version and the first 10, 20 seconds is the intro, you will never be seen again, especially if it's a big label. They will take that time to listen to your first track. Your second track, they will never listen to again. You're going to burn that. Unless you want to create a whole new alias and start all over again, like you're going to waste your time. I think if people take the time to really take a moment, look at your project, then think about how you want to execute it, then deliver that. Instead of just like, cool, my track's finished then. It's like, People get, people become like a puppy. They get so overly excited. Congratulations, like, but openly kudos to them finishing that track where so many people can't even finish a track. They're like, you know, I've sat on it five years. I just, I'm not happy with it. I'm like, stop. I'm like, just, if you're happy, send it. Then get feedback from a friend, from, you know, mixing and mastering and then send it to your label. I think people just need to do that. I think that's the biggest thing. And what has been your take on seeing the rise of the electronic music scene in the US and is it that much different from Europe and which scene do you find more appealing I think it's very different I think it's it's also territory based I've always noticed this in the US um I like both openly I think it's just the audiences are so different and a demographic um where a lot of especially dance music or EDM in Europe can be very, still very underground. Mm-hmm. Um, besides pop, like poppy kind of EDM, um, 
But then I think if you look at like the US market, if you look at, you know, you look at LA, you look at New York, you look at Chicago, it, it's just very different. And for me, it, it comes down to whose PR that that team is because they have that target audience, their demographic, and they're throwing it directly at them and they can see it straight away where they're looking on, on Twitter for a different demographic. If it's, you know, someone under 18, we're throwing it straight on TikTok. Let's blow it up. Let's do a PR company or campaign for that. Then you can just see people getting overly excited where you'll notice that a lot of tracks in the US don't make it here to Europe and vice versa, where people are like, I've never heard this big track before. I've never heard of Feather the Ground. And it's just like, okay, wow. It just it shows the different styles to European kind of EDM dance to the pretty much to the US kind of dance. Mm-hmm. Where I think the US almost laugh, like, oh, this is very Euro kind of like dance, which I find hilarious. Because I find it so entertaining. Like Eurovision was like two weeks ago. Something like that is just so entertaining and different to the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to my first experience of going over to the European market is going to be ADE, 400,000 people a day for seven days in the heart of Amsterdam. It's going to be insane. I can't wait to be over there. Can't wait to see you, meet up with you over there. If you had to choose between Winter Music Conference, IMS, or ADE, could only go to one which one would it be oh i have to stick with ada i have to mm-hmm. miami is really good don't get me wrong um miami is great because of the weather um ims is beautiful because it's on an island um but ada is just that one conference every year where to me it genuinely feels better than christmas mm-hmm. where every single music industry executive someone who wants to learn about the industry, like intern students, every single person that you can think of is actually there with festivals, the publishing, legal, distributors, events, anything you can think of on in the industry, it's there. And the best thing about ADE is, you know, the entire day you do back-to-back meetings. Everyone's there for only business during the day, whether it's panels, whether it's education, getting festivals, contracts signed, and in the evening, it's just events and festivals until about 6 a.m. And you do it for six days straight. And it's just, people are like, oh, like, it sounds really rough. It's not because it's, it can be, I guess, slightly intimidating, but you take it at your own pace. Like, if you want back-to-back meetings, I guarantee it, you'll find it so quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to go to ADU. I have to. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be a killer time there. Um, is there something you would like to say to uh, new and up and coming producers to watch out for when they're, when it comes to making their career successful. I think believe in yourself and find either someone at, you know, someone in the music industry and ask for their honest feedback where your close friends probably don't know the kind of technical side to the music industry. They could like the sound of it, but there's a different part between liking a song and the technical side to where, where it could be, not mixed or mastered correctly. And it's just like, you know, the timing could be completely off. And that's definitely a big point. And for me, it's also trust. Find an artist, find a label, find producers. You genuinely can build a relationship with. And I think with us at LabelWorks or with any kind of industry job I've had, I don't have a lot of friends in the industry because a lot of, they don't really stay friends. They become more so my family where you you can find those people, they are out there. Just be yourself, trust in yourself and trust in other people. Because a lot of people have that stigma where, you know, there are a lot of snakes in the industry. It's very old, that generation, but also look out for yourself. If something seems too good to be true, ask for help. 
ask for help with contracts, ask help with royalty splits. If you don't ask, you're never going to know. And for me, I think the most important thing, if someone gives you an offer, question it. They gave you the first offer. If they don't know you, question that entire offer. Why are you doing a standard deal 50-50 if it's just an admin deal? Makes no sense. Ask a friend or get professional legal help, and I guarantee your deal will be so much better. And people don't know that and don't trust that. Like, oh, yeah, that's what they gave me. Yeah, they gave you that, but you didn't ask. You don't have that either industry knowledge where people just, they get so excited again. Like, oh, yeah, let's sign the deal. Done. And I was like, did you redline it? Did you check the agreement? No, no, that was so nice. No, don't do that. Regardless if they're your friend, it's still a contract. You could be signing all your rights off and yeah, look out for yourself. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on it's interesting when you when you pull out the contracts or the agreements and people aren't versed on they don't know what to do they get this piece of paperwork in front of them like what do i do with this i'm like hey it's just basic boilerplate stuff i mean it's just i need to get a personal release from you i need to know this i need to get an indemnification like i you know like if you slip and fall i'm not gonna be held liable for crap because we're doing some pretty crazy stuff here but um you know it's it's funny you know you but you go to a market like la new york chicago miami where the business there is industry there in our town of seattle there isn't much of a booming music business in the sense of things here where people are conducting business you, you would go to la or you'd work with label works or you'd work with a bigger company outside so it's 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 kind of interesting when you do put those pieces of paper in front of people and like what am i sure. getting into yeah. <laughs> can i answer any questions for you do you need to take them by your lawyer go take them by your lawyer go go ahead go review them you know i'm not asking for your firstborn i'm not asking for yeah. a pint of blood you know but i mean for me it was also this i think Working with my previous role, I worked a lot with legal contracts and making sure that people understood what they were signing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just had that, uh, I say, uh, let's say a connection or vibe with me. And then I was like, oh my God, Tony's so nice. Like I just signed the contract. Then I would tell them, no, I'm a great, I'm, I'm very honest and very transparent, but don't sign that. I'm like, get perfect. No, Tony, you would never scream it. I'm like, I wouldn't, but you need to understand what you're signing. And they're like, no, I trust you. Someone like Luke as well. He's like, Tony's very honest. He's very transparent. I am, but I realized there aren't people like me in every single sector of the industry where someone could send you a publishing deal and it's 50-50. And I'm like, that was just an admin deal. I'm like, what, are they, what, are, what else are they doing for you? And it's just like, oh, is that not right? No, because they could be nice, but just ask someone for help. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you could take one producer slash DJ artist that you're working with right now and put them in the spotlight, who would Ooh. that be? Um, me personally or with label works or both? Uh, you personally, you personally. Um, probably a trans producer, probably Amy Wiles, I would have to say. Um, she is she's a producer uh she also works at injuna as well so she's a phenomenal producer but she's also female and she does everything herself where she gets the recognition she has a great following and she's just the definition of someone working extremely hard and carrying the trance world on her shoulders as someone who is in her mid-20s compared to someone like above and beyond someone like inland bluestone and she's just coming in doing everything that she needs to do don't get me wrong. You can just see she puts blood, sweat, and tears into it. It's very emotionally damaging her because it's so much effort, but all her effort is paying off in everything that she does. So probably Amy Wiles that I could see. Yeah. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, you know, we're going to wrap it up here. Is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know? Uh, anything coming out with label works, events, things you got on the radar that you can talk about? Um, let's see. So this week we have BMC, which is the Brighter Music Conference, which we touched on. Um, we have a few of our colleagues down there. Um, so it'll be really fun to be down there. Um, we have a few exciting stuff coming out still this year. Uh, probably our biggest is going to be ADE. Um, I can openly say quite confidently and very exciting um, that in October is actually our anniversary for our 15 years. Um, so we're trying to get pretty much our entire team from the UK and all around the world down to ADE. Um, it's going to be great. We're trying to do as many events, trying to showcase who we are, what we do. So if anyone's going to be, of course, in Amsterdam, let us know if anyone wants to know more about us. Like absolutely get in contact with us. We'd be more than happy to help um, and definitely more than happy to support as well. Awesome. And where can people find out more information about label works and, and get in contact with you if they want to do something like that? Pretty much everywhere, really. Like you can get direct, directly to our website. We're very social, um, especially on Twitter, also on Instagram. Um, but the definitely the best way would be just go to our website, which is labelworks.com. Um, then you can pretty much submit an inquiry, get in contact with any of our services. Um, if you want to reach out to me, you can definitely get in contact with me as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tony, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you as well. You're welcome. On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on Twitter, find us on TikTok, find us on Instagram or that book thing. You know, the DJ Sessions, we're out there. This is Darren Bruce coming to you live from Seattle, Washington. On the DJ Sessions presents the virtual sessions with Tony from Label Works. And don't forget, on the DJ Sessions, the music never stops. <laughs>